Welcome back to the Eat Scripture Podcast. This is Gina and Eric Robinson. We are going through 2 Kings right now. Um, we're in chapter 8 today. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited about this. I, I don't know. I told you beforehand that this has been a really cool study for me because mm-hmm. I have really grown to love Elisha and his right. ministry yes. and see so much in it that I never saw before. And yeah, I, yeah, I think it's one thing to, you know, read it and you love it because it's a prophet and he's doing neat things. Right. That's the way I've always looked at it before. But this is different. Yeah. Because I'm seeing it in light of Jesus in the church mm-hmm. and how that uh, has is playing itself out here in his yes. life. And I just. Wow. Yes. It's to watch really... God tell his bigger story through Elijah and Elisha, that's when things mm-hmm. come home so much more and you find yourself in it so much more. Not that we should always just look for ourselves where we are in the Bible. We look for Jesus, but by finding Jesus and the Jesus story throughout the scripture, we necessarily find right. our place. It's very relatable. It's very story. relevant. And it's, um, I don't know, it gives us principles Mm-hmm. of life mm-hmm. uh, in Jesus. Yeah. And I, I've just really enjoyed that. So we're going to start today with this, the Shunammite woman mm-hmm. comes back up and yeah. just a little bit of background. Yeah, yeah. So she's um, at the beginning of second Kings eight. Mm-hmm. What chapter was that? I don't even have it written down. Uh, she's yeah. She's at the beginnings, beginning of eight. Is what is that what you mean? No, I mean, before, mean when she showed she before? up before, right? Originally, in, uh, chapter four, verse eight okay. is where she had shown up before, okay. and then she stays with us all the way through. Well, not all the way through, even chapter four from eight to 37. Okay, in chapter four. So, if you haven't listened to that or you need a refresher, go back and read that. But she is the woman who couldn't have a child, mm-hmm. and Elisha came and lived at her house and made made it happen that she mm-hmm. uh, was able to get pregnant. Yes. And then she made that little, well, was that before? I See, I need to go back and refresh my mind. <laughs> she, before uh, that, before she even had the child, yes, she made she a made, place for him to stay in her upper room. Right. Because there was this prophet coming by and she wanted him to have room to stay. Which we've talked about being kind of a picture of a temple. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. uh, then she was able to get pregnant, had this son that she had always wanted. Mm-hmm. And then. And he, in so doing really got incorporated into the Abrahamic promise. Right, we talked about how much. Abraham and Sarah, like it was mm-hmm. that she got pregnant. And, and then the son dies. Mm-hmm, son dies. And um, I mean, this tragedy, here's the son she's always wanted and mm-hmm. she has him and now he dies. Mm-hmm. And. But then in a very similar way to what Elijah did, Elisha uh, is used to bring this boy back to life. Right. And then he gets given back to his mother and the Shunammite woman. And that's really where we And we always see this connection with Jesus. Yes. uh, Raising a widow's son. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, Yep. In Luke, I believe. Luke. Um, Correct. So anyway, this is a... We haven't heard from her in mm-hmm. several chapters, mm-hmm. and we're going to read this story now um, about her coming back after the famine. Mm-hmm. Right. And so 
it's a beautiful actually picture of the Passover event uh-huh. in some ways and um even more so I think of resurrection and mm-hmm. just um the way Elisha in his whole ministry is representing life in the midst of this dead uh monarchy. Two, yeah, monarchy. Yeah. And um it's just, uh, it's a really awesome story. So we can go ahead and read that and get started. Yes, that'd be great. Um, I've, everything that you're saying is so spot on with what it is that we're looking at here. So, yes, we will talk about her some more, like Gina said, having brought her in from several chapters to go. So we're going to be reminded of her here. It's going to, the text is mm-hmm. going to kind of draw the reader back to remember this happening. And then we'll talk about, you know, why here though? Why wait till now? And what's this shooter might have to do with anything in the big picture? Um, let's talk about that too. After we read eight, one through six. Okay. Now, Elisha had said to the woman whose son he had restored to life, Arise and depart with your household, and sojourn wherever you can, for the Lord has called for a famine, and it will come upon the land for seven years. So the woman arose and did according to the word of the man of God. She went with her household and sojourned in the land of the Philistines for seven years. And at the end of the seven years, when the woman returned from the land of the Philistines, she went to appeal to the king for her house and her land. Now, the king was talking with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, Tell me all the great things that Elisha has done. And while he was telling the king how Elisha had restored the dead to life, behold, the woman whose son he had restored to life appealed to the king for her house and her land. And Gehazi said, My Lord, O King, here is the woman, and here is her son, whom Elisha restored to life. And when the king asked the woman, she told him. So the king appointed an official for her, saying, Restore all that was hers, together with all the produce of the fields from the day that she left the land until now. Mm -hmm. What a great welcome home. Uh, (laughs) And unexpected. Oh yes, definitely unexpected. Because we didn't, even, and we also didn't even know the Shunammite had left the area. No, this obviously. was the first that we were told that Elisha told her to mm-hmm. go to go somewhere else, mm-hmm. which he did. He he is the one who kind of shoves her out of the nest, so to speak. Here, he's the one who says you need to go find somewhere else to live for a while mm-hmm. because there's a big famine coming here. Right. Coming in this a place, famine coming, in. coming, and so you're going to go into enemy land. It's going to be foreign land, obviously. Not the your Philistines land, are not. huge enemies mm-hmm. of Israel. Uh, Israel, and live there for seven years mm-hmm. for seven periods of time, seven right. complete, complete time. Yeah, this is a complete period of time that she'll be gone. But whenever she returns, that's really striking too. She returns and she just happens to come in when the king is talking with, we remember Gehazi. Mm-hmm. He's the one who was way back in, you know, chapters four and five. Um, particularly we remember him from chapter five because he tried to take money that belonged to, well, that Naaman had brought to give to Elisha for restoring him, but that right. Elisha wouldn't take. And then... Gehazi followed. Gehazi takes some of the money and he gets cursed with leprosy. 
and it says he's going to carry it for the rest of his days. Now, he's in the presence of the king here, and we don't know Which what exactly odd. this yeah. means. Yes, how this works. Uh, but nevertheless, that's where Gehazi is, and he's telling stories about Elisha, which Jehoram, who's That's what's surprising king, to me, is that Jehoram is now wanting to hear these stories about the mm -hmm. king. Now, maybe it's because of what just happened in the last um, chapter mm -hmm. when the siege um, fell apart, mm -hmm. and it was because of... Elisha had predicted that. Yes. And um, so maybe he's now got new confidence, but he was wanting to kill mm -hmm. Elisha before. Yeah. But now that this has happened, mm -hmm. he's, oh, tell me all the stories of Elisha. Right. Yeah. And so he is all in for hearing more about Elisha, which is weird, like we're saying. And we know that his, we've already said this so many times, but obviously, he's the he's the uh, end of a dynasty for the Amrid house, which is Ahab. Ahab's son is who he is, right. and Ahab was Amri's son, and so this is the end of that dynasty. And it's taken a while to get here. It's taken like a generation, so to speak, mm -hmm. to get here. But that's the idea: is that. God is finally bringing that, he's going to bring that judgment on the house of Jehoram. But Jehoram, here he is, listening enthusiastically to what Elisha has done before. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so much so, that when this lady and her son shows up, and Gehazi is like amazed, you can hear the amazement in his voice in verse seven, uh, 5, My lord, O king, here's the woman, and here's her son who Elisha restored to life, the very ones he'd just been talking about. And so he's amazed she's walked up at this moment. And the king, sure enough, asks uh, if it's her, and she tells him. And the king appoints an official for her, telling him to restore everything that was hers before and give her back all of the produce that would have been produced right. over those seven years had she been here. I mean, this is a tremendous windfall she's getting mm -hmm. for just returning. I think Jehoram's just land. in a good mood. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe this is just a good so day better. for Jehoram. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Things are, but we've had the end to the famine. Right. We've had the end to the so famine. So they're feeling celebratory. They, yeah, mean, absolutely. God is know, with us. Everybody... Things have gone well. Yeah. Correct. Land for you and land for you. <laughs> yeah. And seven years worth of produce for you. Right. Uh, and so the woman, though, this woman, just kind of resoundingly to me, continues to kind of speak to the idea of the Gentile church or the church at large mm -hmm. that has been incorporated into all the promises mm -hmm. of God and has now had to sojourn outside of the promised land. That's where the church still mm -hmm. is scattered today, mm -hmm. outside right. of the promised land for a complete period while the famine goes on, the word of God inside Israel is contained, is not like it should be. It's not right. let loose. Is not, you know, as vibrant or life-giving or whatever. And so within God's people, there's still a famine. Within the mm -hmm. Israel uh, that God chose before Jesus, there's still a famine because they haven't truly accepted the word in Jesus. So this famine, which, which really got 
very obvious uh, in those first 40 years after Jesus, let's say. Because I think there's our there's our real generation. There's our whole generation, our Jehoram-type right. generation. So you're taking us to the to Jesus' time. I, that's right. I'm following you. Yep. So um, we had a condemned generation that we knew we were headed toward destruction because Jesus mm-hmm. predicted it. That's what's right. going to happen in Jerusalem. It's coming. Get ready. Exactly. We know we're moving that way, but it takes us 40 years to get there. Mm-hmm. A, gener- a real generation, an old generation goes by before we get there. But once we do get there, then even though the temple's destroyed, the word is freer than it's ever been. And the church goes out into the world and people are coming to Christ right and left. Which I think we're really going to see in the next um, stories that are coming. Cycle but, that's coming up. Right. But definitely she is a... I think a seedling. Yes, kind of, of what the, that is. The, kind of seeing the beginning <clears throat> of that. I think you're right. Kind of seeing the beginning of that taking place. Right. Like this is here comes, and this is the end. We're getting toward the end of the Elijah Elisha cycle here. This is where we are. We're getting very much at the end of the Elisha cycle. Things are going to happen. We've got some chapters to go by, but they're going to happen kind of rapid fire as we move toward the end of Elisha. Right. Um, and I, so I also want to say it's interesting to me that, and I read this uh, in Peter Lightheart's book, but um, just that she was referred to in chapter four, verse eight, when she first comes on the scene mm-hmm. as a great woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, my version says wealthy woman, mm-hmm. but I think the most literal of that mm-hmm. is a great woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and now she's being referred to by the fact that she's had this wonderful miracle mm-hmm. take place in her life. And I don't know, that just really hit me because isn't that how we're, we're known now we should be known not because of our own greatness mm-hmm. or wealth or fame mm-hmm. or um, any of that, but by the fact that God has worked. Yes. In a transformative way in our life mm-hmm. and brought life from death. Yes. And so I'm just like, that is so cool that he pointed that out. And um, yeah, I think so too. And also to compare her to the woman in the last story where she, I mean, she's begging for um, judgment, mm-hmm. justice, mm-hmm. Uh, just like the woman who in this last story, who was begging for justice when they were uh, cannibalizing their children. Mm-hmm. And Jehoram couldn't do anything. He right. felt so, he was like tearing his clothes. Well, what can I do about it? Yeah. And here we have a woman coming to him for justice. Mm-hmm. And he seems to know suddenly, oh, I know what to do. Yeah. Here's exactly what we're going to do. And so it's just a change in Jehoram's whole attitude as king, his, yeah. the way he's doing things. Yeah. Uh, but he's also, it's showing how unstable he is. I yeah, think. he's very fickle. Uh, one minute he's on board completely with Elisha, it seems like, and the next minute he could not. He wants to take Elisha's head off. Right. But this is the first time in the Amrid dynasty since Solomon, mm-hmm. who had also two women coming to him for mm-hmm. justice, mm-hmm. Uh, that he's made, he's vo- that any king has voluntarily gone to with the prophet Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and for the 
other times it's always been under coercion or mm -hmm. somebody else who's come in and taken him to the prophet, mm -hmm. not the king himself. Gotcha. And so here he's actually, yeah, depending on Elisha's servant yeah reputa reputation reputation, and, reputation yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah this is yeah i think too very apropos for this moment of kind of highlighting elisha and what elisha's done and and using it as uh, seeing in it seeing through it this way that he's affected israel israel's king mm -hmm. so forth even though like your point now israel's king is both he's on again one on one minute off again the next mm -hmm. we're not sure exactly what to make of him except that we do know he's part of a condemned, condemned dynasty mm -hmm. and um but but nevertheless god's word keeps going out mm -hmm. like through this shunammite woman mm -hmm. and coming up really fruitfully um, in ways that we didn't even expect using even this king right. to make the, it happen. And, and his name is not mentioned very much in here at uh, all. I mean, in no. this part, it's not at all. No, We just don't hear the his king, name, king, which king. I think is so interesting because I yeah. think it's telling us that his name is being taken away mm -hmm. yeah. this, in this Amran dynasty. Yeah. It's, it's dying. Yeah. Um, the story doesn't just point back to the Exodus story, but also forward to the Babylonian mm -hmm. exile and what's going to happen there. Yes. And, and then yes, of course, ultimately in Jesus back. and the church. That's yeah. right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Great, great point. Yes. This points to the Babylonian exile going to go away, but then return the remnant mm -hmm. will return yes. the bride with the and son. They will receive their land. Again. will come back. Yes. Yes, and they will re they will re get re receive their land through that king. So all of that I think is in here, which, like you're saying, is really also just a pointer ultimately to Jesus and what right. He's doing, and He's His people. We now are wanderers of the earth, right. as it were, not having a real home, but awaiting the time when we'll be taken back into our real home, and all of what we missed out on ever will be, be fully restored right. to us. Well, and I think that's, uh, there's also that clear, it's interesting. God is so amazing. But even in the picture of the, the um, Jews receiving back mm -hmm. their land in 1948, mm -hmm. um, there's, an there's a piece. picture of that of in, yeah. you know, a small way, just yeah. this little picture. Hey, it really does happen. God mm -hmm. is really going to do this. And so ultimately we know he is going to do this for us. So. Yes. Really amazing. Well, Let's go on to the next piece, which is going to, again, uh, take us into <laughs> more intrigue with another King right. this time. And, uh, and then a potential King, um, something that we've been waiting for a long time to right. see happen. 10 chapters. Yeah. yeah. Eight, okay. seven. Uh, and we'll read through 15. Okay. Now, Elisha came to Damascus. Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, was sick. And when it, when it was told him, the man of God has come here, the king said to Haziel, take a present with you and go to meet the man of God and inquire of the Lord through him, saying, shall I recover from this sickness? So Haziel went to meet him and took a present with him, all kinds of goods of Damascus, 40 camel loads. When he came and stood before him, he said, Your son, Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, 
has sent me to you, saying, Shall I recover from this sickness? And Elisha said to him, Go say to him, You shall certainly recover. But the Lord has shown me that he, will, he shall certainly die. And he fixed his gaze and stared at him until he was embarrassed. And the man of God wept. And Haziel said, Why does my Lord weep? He answered, because I know the evil that you will do to people, to the people of Israel. You will set on fire their fortresses. You will kill their young men with the sword and dash in pieces their little ones and rip open their pregnant women. And Haziel said, what is your servant who is but a dog that he should do this great thing? Elisha answered, the Lord has shown me that you are to be the king over Syria. Then he departed from Elisha and came to his master, who said to him, What did Elisha say to you? And he answered, He told me that you would certainly recover. But the next day he took the bedcloth and dipped it in water and spread it over his face till he died. And Haziel became king in his place. This is really sad text in that way because we're seeing this murder take place in at this coup mm -hmm. but we've been waiting for uh the fulfillment of this since first kings chapter 1917 because we heard about haziel way back there when elijah came out of the hole in the ground on horeb came out of the right. cave right. and god made a pronouncement to him that he was going to go and anoint Haziel. Well, he's not actually the one who does it. The ministry is carried on through, through Elisha. Elisha. And Elisha is the one who's going to, as it were, anoint him. Although it's not really an anointing per se, because there's I no oil or anything. This, but... <laughs> yes. He's pronouncing what's going right. to happen. It is an, uh, kind of a putting the king in his place. But that's striking because you said to me before we ever started this, how strange it is to watch this Israelite prophet anoint, as it were, a Gentile king. Right. Of all things. That's, that's so weird. weird. Like, weird. How, why is he even getting involved in the politics of another nation? Yeah. It's just, it's all and it's obviously, obviously this dying king has incredible respect for Elisha. Right. In Elisha's word. He even so calls himself your servant. That's right. Ben-Hadad of Syria puts himself in like servanthood to Elisha. He knows where the word of God comes from. Because he sends 40 camel loads of goods to. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of stuff. <laughs> what? To Elisha? Really? 40 camel loads? That's but, an amazing amount of stuff. But he knows what this God of Israel did for Naaman. Absolutely. And so the fame of mm -hmm. God, mm -hmm. the God of Israel and Elisha mm -hmm. has spread, spread outside the Israel -like borders yep. very Absolutely. much. And they're respecting who mm -hmm. Yahweh is. Yep. Um, yep. They may not understand it all, but mm -hmm. they're respecting much more than actually the Israelites are right now. Oh yeah. Much more. And so Haziel gets, Haziel is just a servant of the king. That's what he is. He's a servant of the king. And so he rides off with all these camel loads of stuff to find Elisha and ask him the question that the king has, which is, uh, shall I recover from this sickness? That's what right. the king wants to know. I'm, I'm really, really sick. 
Another and feels like it could there's be several death sick coming. kings in first and second kings. We'll see, mm-hmm. but this yep. is one of them. And yep. Am I gonna die from this? Feels like it could be death coming. Am I gonna die? Interestingly enough, when he asked the question in verse eleven, it says that Elisha uh well, actually verse ten, Elisha says to him, Go, say to him, say to this Syrian king, Ben Hadad. You shall certainly recover, but the Lord has shown me he shall certainly die. Mm-hmm. Now, in Hebrew, the crazy part about the Hebrew is that when Elisha says, go say to him, <laughs> it could be that it says, go say not recovering, you shall recover, but uh dying you shall die hmm. that's a strange that's thing yeah so either he's saying either it says go say to him or it starts with go say not recovering you shall recover go hmm. say to him recovering you shall recover or go say not recovering you shall recover but dying you shall die i mean he's <clears> saying <throat> something to him in in almost like a mysterious way. He right. knows that he could recover from this sickness, that but the sickness is not what's going to kill him. But right, that won't actually, yes, exactly. So that's where it's a very, like you're saying, very ambiguous way of talking that leaves us uh, in a kind of a weird place. And then we read the rest of the story. And at first he, he, he just stares at Haziel, who's just, like I said, servant of the king. He's not in the line of kings. He's just a servant to the king. But he stares at Elisha stares at him until he's embarrassed about it. Right. It says, and then he's like, he said, and then Elisha starts crying. Right. He's weeping. And Haziel's like, why are you crying? And and, uh, Elisha says, because I know what you're going to do to the people of Israel. I know how bad Mm -hmm. you're going to be to the people of Israel. And of course, Haziel, he describes what that's going to be. And then Haziel's like, well, wait a second. I I have zero power. What do you mean I'm going to be bad to the people of Israel? That's a ridiculous thing to say. But Elisha says, oh, I know what's going to happen. You're going to become king. God has shown me. That's Mm -hmm. the Lord shown me that you're going to be king over Syria. In other words, that's and that's going to lead you to do terrible things to Mm -hmm. Israel's people. Um, And so he leaves and he gets to the king and the king says, what did he say? And what did Elisha say? And Haziel says, he told me that you would certainly recover. Mm-hmm. So is he being true to what Elisha wanted him to? Or say is he leaving him, out part of it? Or, recovering yeah. you shall recover? Or is he actually, yes, not being true and saying that, but knowing good and well that he's going to kill him the next day. So he gives him a good word in verse 14, but then immediately the next day takes it away by killing him by murdering his own king and then becoming king of Syria in his place. So there's Elisha anointing a Gentile king, pronouncing what's going to happen. This Gentile, sure enough, acts on uh, his authority now, giving him through God and becomes king. And we know that bad things are going to happen, which they will. And I, I see Elisha weeping there over Israel, just like Jesus mm-hmm. did before, you know, he 
wept yes. over Jerusalem, knowing knowing bad things were coming. What was going to happen? That he himself pronounced it. Right. He himself prophesied that this was going to happen. But it has to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and this, uh, if anything, doesn't it just hammer home the sovereignty of God? Yes. God is sovereign Absolutely. over all the nations. Turns out Jesus can anoint all the kings. Right. There's nobody that Jesus doesn't right. anoint, doesn't this put in their place. Elisha anointing a Gentile king. Yes. It's going to initiate centuries of a prophetic ministry mm-hmm. in the Gentiles and really for us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's exactly what happened uh-huh. with Jesus' death. Right. He pronounced at the end of Matthew, it's all about what is going to happen yes. to Jerusalem and the end of the temple and mm-hmm. everything they know. And it makes him weep. Mm-hmm. He's sad about it. But it's because the Gentiles have got to come in and yeah. it's got, the word has got to go out to them. And mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, very, it's like, so prophetic. Yeah, so prophetic. <laughs> I know that's very um, funny to say about a prophet. But <laughs> well, I totally get what you're saying. We seem surprised that he is actually prophetic. But, yeah. yeah. Um, what we're, this actually matches up with words from, you know, Romans chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. Uh, also, or let's see, 1 and 1 through 3, we could even say, um, possibly 4. And then also... First uh, Peter two thirteen through seventeen, where we're talking about rulers being established by God in their places. All the rulers, even in the Gentile world, Paul has no problem saying that they're given their place by God. Um, and so here we're watching here at the end of or in the middle of Second Kings chapter eight, we're watching mm-hmm. as God has authority over the Syrians right. too. He establishes their kings, and their king is going to bring a rod of punishment in on God's, God's people. people. And it says, you know, we're going to watch as this happens. Um, but it says way back when he was first, when Elijah was first being told that whoever escapes the sword of Paziel, God's already got Jehu uh, on the next, in the next line uh, of fire, if you will, or the next line of, of authority to go and take them out. Um, So God's already set up a system by which this is going to work. He's got authority over everything and he's going to bring some punishment in, judgment in, and that judgment's going to come down hard on this dynasty that's in place. And it almost feels like Elisha's being like a traitor, Mm -hmm. but he's not uh, Mm -hmm. as he's definitely not a true prophet prophesies to those he loves. And that's exactly what Jesus did. It's what Elisha is doing. Yep. Um, He's doing what God has told him to do, even when it's hard, even when it has to do with his own people's just, mm-hmm. you know, problem. Right. Uh, so we'll pick up there in eight. The next eight, part, eight, we're going to kind of transfer and talk about what's happening in Judah at this time too, in the Southern Kingdom. So yep. uh, Correct. it'll be a little bit of a break there, but mm-hmm. yep. Um, so get ready for that. And we will uh, look closely more closely at this watches this kind of quick like we said things are happening quickly here so the timeline is still very much in play what we're watching happen toward the end of this 
dynasty, this uh, Amrit dynasty in the north, right. as things culminate here with God's will being shown. So right. uh, keep your keep that in mind. Read ahead if you want, and we will see you again in just a few days. Be talking to you soon. God bless everyone.